It's almost Oscar Sunday, and we have you covered. This is the Pop Culture Confidential Oscar Prediction Special. Where are we going? Dunkirk. There's no hiding from this, son. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! <laughs> Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose? Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. I don't want an intricate, beautiful thing destroyed. We can do nothing. I'm sorry. Don't do this, Eliza. What is she saying? Don't do this. Oh, God, it's not even human. Hey everyone, welcome back to Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Christina Yerling Biru. So in just a few days, Jimmy Kimmel will take the stage to host the 90th Academy Awards. I have to say, personally, it, I don't think I've ever had a more difficult year nailing down my predictions. It's just an excellent group of movies and nominees. But if you, like me, have an Oscar pool to win, we need to sort a few things out. So I'm very happy to have Cal Buchanan with me here again. He is a senior editor at New York Magazine Vulture and an all-around movie and award season expert. Cal, thank you so much for being here with us again. Thank you for having me. So are you having as difficult time as I am this year, <laughs> nailing your predictions down? I really am, Christina. I feel like every time we talk, uh, we're having the same issues, but it seems to get exponentially more difficult every year. Uh, part of that might be due to the fact that the Academy has embarked on this unprecedented two-year push to diversify its membership. So everybody is wondering, will those new members sway the older voters in a certain direction? But then a lot of it is that the field is just unsettled this year. And when it's coming after a year where Moonlight upset La La Land for Best Picture, it still feels like anything could happen. Mm. It's such a... I, I mean, and, and of course, my opinion, but I think it's a really excellent group of movies in general, too, isn't it, right? I'd like to think so. When you look at the best picture field, you know, I often say uh, that the Oscars are a snapshot of where the movie industry is in that year. And if so, for good or for ill, what does it mean? And I think it means some encouraging things this year, given that the movies in the best picture field from Lady Bird to Get Out to Shape of Water to Three Billboards to Dunkirk to Call Me By Your Name, they're so eclectic. Mm -hmm. uh, so many of them are the product of writer-directors, which I think is also worth singling out. These are people who had a very unique vision and executed them. And it's also, as we'll talk about when we get to the best director category, uh, a group that I think has some encouraging trend lines for the industry as a whole. Right. No, I mean, it really is. I don't think I've seen a lineup like this with, with movies that are so different from each other with, with real auteurs behind them and, and, and some of them first-time movie directors. Yeah, I think it's a testament to the expanded field. I know there are some people who wish Best Picture would go back to five nominees, but I'm not one of them. In fact, I think it should just oh, be around – around even 10 uh, every year because you get 
so many fantastic films that really do deserve the acknowledgement every year uh, in this in this fashion. Do you think one can say that the Academy sort of diversity push all the new people that have come in? Do you think that you can say that it's working? I think so. You know, I've been talking to new voters who've joined over the last two years. They're very high on Get Out. And you look at Get Out where it has uh, placed. This is a February horror movie, which is so not the sort of film that the Academy traditionally rewards. And yet it snagged. Uh, some really key nominations for picture, director, actor, and screenplay. So I, I definitely think that uh, the, the the newer, hipper uh, Academy members had a lot to do with that. Well, let's get into some predictions, and I'll ask you some some questions about the voting process while we're on. Um, I thought we'd start with screenplay, original and adapted. I think that's an interesting field. What do you think about original? There we have The Big Sick, Get Out, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. This is probably the most competitive original screenplay race we've had in years because you've got uh, – not just four Best Picture nominees represented in this category, but probably the four strongest ones outside mm-hmm. of Dunkirk, as well as the big sick of movie I liked a lot that almost made the Best Picture field. It's funny because I think there are a lot of people who think The Shape of Water will prevail in Best Picture, but it doesn't seem to even have a chance mm-hmm. in original screenplay. I think this is between Get Out and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's worth noting that uh, the Best Picture winner in recent years has usually picked up a screenplay award, too. And that's why I think Get Out and Three Billboards, which are uh, extremely strong uh, screenplay-driven Best Picture contenders, are probably the two most likeliest to prevail here. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the sort of Three Billboards? It's been very polarizing. Um, If someone hasn't heard why and and what you think that will do to the movie yeah uh you know the movie which is written and directed by the playwright martin mcdonough it is a story about a mom who is seeking uh justice for her raped and murdered daughter and along the way there's this racist cop played by sam rockwell who initially just seems like a dumb hick and may still be but by the end of the film has shown surprising new dimensions in his quest to help her. Uh, And I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with that arc. They feel that maybe he's been redeemed. Other voters I've spoken to don't think so. They think that the movie lives in the ambiguity and they reward it for that. Uh, In fact, most of the voters I've spoken to are pretty immune to the sort of hot takes and Twitter buzz. So Mm -hmm. while online it might seem more polarizing, uh, I don't think that's always the case when it comes to the Academy. A film like Get Out, which is just neck and neck with three billboards here, it actually won the Writers Guild Award, although because of some sort of, because uh, uh, three billboards was made outside the Writers Guild, it wasn't even eligible. That said, I think that Get Out, uh, this might be the specific category where the fans of the movie really flock to it and reward it. So I would give that the thin edge right now. And also it seems like the past few years with the preferential ballot that we'll explain a bit later, but that it's been, people have been rewarding before. My impression is that like 10 years ago, one movie would get all the awards and now you're sort of spreading them out. This one 
doesn't have to be the same best picture that gets screenplay, but maybe that's just yeah, it. yeah. It, it has definitely seemed that way. We haven't had one movie really sweep uh, in a while. Uh, preferential ballot only really works for best picture. It's mm-hmm. the only place it comes into account. So, uh, but I do think that the Academy likes to spread the wealth in the sense that if they think a movie they love isn't going to get recognized anywhere but one standout category, that's where they'll really throw their weight behind it. Right. And what about Adapted? I think this one is pretty locked and loaded for Call Me By Your Name. Uh, It is the only Best Picture nominee in the race, uh, which is a sort of inversion of how this traditionally goes. Uh, Usually the Adapted Screenplay race is full of Best Picture contenders. Here you have the disaster artist Logan, Molly's Game, and Mudbound. Right. Uh, so I think this is pretty clear. It also helps, I think, that the writer, James Ivory, who is nominated, he's 89, uh, would be the oldest winner ever if he prevails. And along with his old producing partner, uh, Ismail Merchant, made a lot of incredible Academy favorites from Howard's End to A Room with a View. But Ivory himself has never won. And this is a chance to rectify that. Right, right. But there's not a lot of talk about Call Me By Your Name and other categories, am I right? Well, to some extent. I think we'll get into it in Best Actor, where uh, Timothy Chalamet is probably the underdog, but the closest competition for Gary Oldman. Uh, You know, the movie was uh, well-loved. I think that maybe the studio should have opened it a little earlier, because it had so much buzz. They opened it at the very end of the year, really, the end of November. Uh, but it had so much uh, attention and love coming out of really early film festivals. Uh, maybe they just let it sort of sit on the shelf for too long. Um, let me ask you about, just quickly, about the Florida Project. That seems to me like a movie that everyone was talking about, but it sort of disappeared around award season. Um, do you know why? I think it was always an underdog. It did manage a nomination for Willem Dafoe in Best Supporting Actor. But this movie, which is directed by Sean Baker, who usually makes these very low-budget films with uh, either first-time actors or unknowns. He made uh, the fantastic movie Tangerine, which he shot on an iPhone just a few years ago. Uh, I don't think he's quite to the Academy's taste yet, or at least not the old guard of the Academy. Many of the younger voters that I spoke to said that was the most significant Best Picture snub as far as they're concerned. Uh, but, you know, the movie, which I think is, is gorgeous and, and one of a kind, it's also a lot to take. It's about really brash uh, uh, people and a lot of screaming children. So I think that a lot of the older voters who might have popped in that screener may have been turned off in the first few minutes. Right. I read somewhere that someone was saying also the Academy is, is so made up of, of actors from the Screen Actor Guild. And this is has a lot of sort of amateur new actors, so to speak. And then I don't know if that made any sense, but that maybe they weren't looking at it that much. Well, it's worth noting that Defoe is the only one who got nominated from that cast. And he's the only one who's probably who already was a member of the Screen Actors Guild, I would wager. Right, right. Well, um, what about some of the technical or cinematography and production design, for example? Is this, is this a, can there be a Dunkirk sweep or what, what do you think? Cinematography, this is a tough one because Roger Deakins, who shot Blade Runner 2049, is one of the most famous examples of a venerated artist who has never won the Oscar. Uh, the tricky thing is, yeah, 14 <laughs> nominations, no wins. On the ballot, they don't list your name. They just list the name of the movie. 
I have a feeling that if Deacons had been on the ballot in previous years, he probably would have won already. He's oh, got that wow. kind of uh, make good momentum. But this year, I don't know. Uh, Blade Runner, Dunkirk, and The Shape of Water, those are very strong auteur works. Uh, all three of them have a, a pretty significant shot at winning. Don't we have a little horse in the race here in Sweden because Hoyte von Hoytemann Dunkirk has made, sort of started his career here, did a lot of Swedish movies. So, yeah, and yeah. I believe this is his very first Oscar nomination. Mm. Yes, it is. It is. After working with Nolan a few times. And production design? This one, again, I think it comes down to Shape of Water and Blade Runner 2049. And they both accomplish a real feat, which is they seem incredibly epic. They have incredibly memorable sets that are of a piece with their director's vision but shape of water did it on a budget you know that movie cost right. under 20 million and it looks expensive blade runner 2049 cost way more than 20 million and it looks it but i wonder if the shape of water might have the edge because of that but will blade runner take visual effects then you think you know uh i think it's i think it's got a pretty strong shot at that uh I wonder, though, if War for the Planet of the Apes, which has really sort of been an innovator in the motion capture field with Andy Serkis and his lead performance, and yet has never won an Oscar mm -hmm. for either of the last two movies, might finally clinch it as sort of a, you know, almost sort of a lifetime achievement kind of award. I was thinking also sort of circus, Andy Circus has had an incredible year um, with uh, this one and, and with um, Black Panther, and, and I think he did his own movie, right? It just seems like sort of a thank you to him somehow. <laughs> it would be a way of recognizing a field that is now totally, uh, is incredibly significant. I mean, so many major tentpoles have a motion capture element to them. And, and that field has really never gotten its due from Oscar. And how about sound? Um, does that, uh, that, that seems to be something that could go to Dunkirk. That type of sort of shoot uh, movies with lots of shooting seem to get a lot of sound. Yeah, I agree. I think that war movies usually have the edge. So in both sound editing and sound mixing, these are two where I feel very comfortable predicting Dunkirk, uh, whether it wins any other Oscars, I don't know. But these two, yes. I think it's the front runner in both sound editing and sound mixing. And makeup and hairstyling seems a given for Darkest Hour for Gary Oldman's Churchill makeup. Yeah, it's worth noting that uh, <laughs> there's one specific thing that the Academy likes to go for in this category, which is old age makeup. A lot of the time you have, I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, that is a movie where almost everybody is in some sort of incredibly distinctive makeup, and yet it lost to the Grand Budapest Hotel, which really just used its makeup to uh, make Tilda Swinton look like an elderly dowager. Uh, so if you have one great character performance and it comes in a movie that is nominated for Best Picture, that's almost certain to prevail. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow, interesting. Um, and let's see, film editing, that's an interesting category because film editing seems to be something that really affects best picture. I know that in the stats, it's been a lot of sort of, if you, you have to have editing in order to win best, but at least it was that way historically. Yeah. You know, uh, something that I find a little outrageous is that Get Out was not nominated here. So much of that movie is in the editing. It's a suspense film. Uh, you know, I talked to one member of the editing branch who thought that maybe it wasn't nominated because the editor 
has a background in horror movies, and so wasn't thought to be sort of of the oh, it's not caliber. Nice enough. Oh. Yeah, well, or or the you know these some of these uh, branches, which the the individual branches do the nominating, and then the entire academy weighs in once the nominations are cast. But the branches can be very clubby, very snobby sometimes, and it's so. I think that's too bad for Get Out. And yes, as you said, the Best Picture winner usually can't get to that win without snagging uh, an editing nomination as well, which would seem to bode well for Three Billboards, Shape of Water, and Dunkirk, which are all nominated here. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the pundits, I think probably most of them are casting their vote for Dunkirk, but I'm going to be... I'm going to go against the grain. I think Baby Driver will pull this out. It's not nominated for Best Picture. Uh, but I think that when people think of those quick cuts, oh, yeah. uh, which are so exacting, not just because it's a car chase movie, but because it's cut to music, I think it'll pull something out. Didn't it win editing in at BAFTA? Yes, it did, yeah. So, so, so maybe that's an, an, something. Yeah, if a movie like Dunkirk can't win Best Editing with a mostly British voting membership, then you've got to think that Baby Driver has some sort of verb to it. Right, right. One of the things that uh, happens at our Oscar pool, which where everyone is really good and we've studied everything to begin with, is that if you take one of these uh, sort of the categories of like documentary short subject and short film animated, if you win one of those, um, you tend to be in good shape to win the whole pool because everyone else knows everything else. But can you sort of quickly go through those and, and what you think um, and, and why you think the, the winner in like documentary short subject, for example? You know, to be honest with you, Christina, I haven't had a chance to watch all of these yet. I think that DeKalb Elementary, which is uh, nominated for Best Live Action Short and has to do with a school shooting, that could not be more timely. Right. Uh, and even though that's a strong category, I think that's got the edge. Uh, as for the other shorts, I haven't watched them yet. Have you? Do you have any thoughts on what might win? Well, I have two thoughts. In the documentary short subject, um, I really thought Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405 is an incredible. I really, really liked it. That's on YouTube, so that's that can be watched. I thought that was amazing. What I, did I, you like about it? What was what was it? Well, I just think it was, I mean, showing the sort of power of creativity and um, through mental illness and how you can challenge that. I just thought it was a very simple movie, um, just interviewing with the artist and then seeing that. I thought it, it really just sort of touched me and, and to see her story, um, someone who really has a story that is not often that we see. So I, I like that. Someone made a joke and said that the Academy doesn't watch any of these, but they've all been stuck in a traffic jam at the 405. So that's why it'll win. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they'll see that on the ballot and they'll have PTSD and not vote for it. Hard to say. I've seen all of these actually, and 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 they're all really good. So it, I wouldn't be upset if any of them won. But on on I haven't seen any of the short film animated, but I hear that Dear Basketball um, has a lot of pedigree. Well, yes, it's uh it's from Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, and so it's got a star power that the others can't muster. So we'll see if that gives it the edge. All right. And um, what costume design? Um, I was thinking that it would be Phantom Thread because of, I mean, it's basically a movie about costumes. But then The Shape of Water actually won the Costume Guild, right? It did. And I'll tell you why I think that happened in that in that case. Because the Costume Guild knew that the Fishman design in Shape of Water was a costume. 
it wasn't makeup per se. He, you know, was uh, essentially a costume that he donned and put on. And so that's why I think it got the edge with the people who sort of specifically Mm -hmm. knew that fact in the costume guild. For the general Academy membership, I don't think they will know that. When they think of Shape of Water's costumes, they'll just think about what Sally Hawkins was wearing. So I do have a feeling that Phantom Thread can win here. Okay, interesting. All right. And um, let's see. Well, we have the score and original song. Uh Mm Uh-huh. What do you think there? Oh. Uh, You know, it's so hard for me, Christina, to divorce what I want to win from what (laughs) I think will win. And so I think I'll split the difference by giving my what I want to win. Okay. That means you'll lose, right? Never, never it vote might, with your maybe, heart. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. But I think that I will vote with my heart on score because I think that Phantom Thread has such a beautiful, distinctive score. And I think that it was one of the last, most recent movies that a lot of Academy members watched. So that score will be fresh in their minds. I think a lot of other people are tipping this to Shape of Water, but I'm going to go against the grain and say Phantom Thread. Mm. I'd love that. As for Best Original Song, this one is a tough one. Oh, it is. Uh, I I thought you were going to say Coco right away. Well, if I had my druthers, I'd give it to Sufjan Stevens for his song from Call Me By Your Name. And I do, and I am predicting Remember Me from Coco, which is a song that is sung many times in that movie and has an incredibly emotional reprise at the end. However, I don't think you can totally discount This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. This is a Hugh Jackman musical that has that initially started sort of poorly at the box office but has grown into being a major phenomenon. And I wonder if that momentum might help it. Right. Okay. Well, we'll have to see then. Um, let's see. What do we have here? We have, oh, yeah, animated feature. That's the boss baby, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that one is pretty sewn up for yes, Coco. That's uh, you know, Pixar films often do very well here. This is not the strongest animated category we've had. Uh, and so Hence that, the boss that, baby. Yeah. So I think that goes to Coco in a walk. Right. And let's see. Um, documentary feature. That I'm having some trouble with because um, I really, really liked Icarus and, and, and about the sort of Russian doping scandal. And it's been the Olympics and I thought it was incredible. But uh, Faces Places seems to have more of a sort of celebrity um, people are talking about it more. Am I wrong? It's I, I go back and forth as well. I, I, I have to say I think Icarus will have the edge because it's newsier. Uh, Faces Places is uh, an incredibly winning documentary from Agnes Varda, who just picked up an honorary Oscar this year. So in a way that makes the film more high profile, but also I wonder if that hurts it because she just got an Oscar. Uh, we'll have to see. Mm. And I, I, I've been reading a lot about Last Men in Aleppo also, which could sort of come split the difference maybe. Uh, this is a pretty good category again. Yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Okay, so foreign language film. Um, there we Sweden has a, a nominee, The Square. Um, how do you think this will go? I think it's between The Square and A Fantastic Woman. Uh, the Square won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, A Fantastic Woman is uh, Sebastian Lelio's Chilean movie uh, about a trans woman uh, who's sort of struggling to persevere after her lover dies. Uh, 
I don't know. I go back and forth on this one too, Christina. This mm-hmm. is a crazy year. Yeah. The square, is- I think if the square, to be honest with you, I think if the square had a more distinctive title, it would take this because people would remember that it won the Palme d'Or. It has American actors in it. I think that would give it the edge. But a fantastic woman, people are familiar with that. I think they will like the idea of, of a film like that winning in a highly politicized year. Daniela Vega, who's the star of that film, has just been announced to present at the Oscars. I have a feeling this might eke out uh, a small victory over the square. Yeah, I'm thinking, because The Square is an excellent movie. I mean, I really like it, and I've had Ruben Östlund on the show and everything. But it seems, this seems like a year, and, and last year also in this category, with where it was sort of, there's a political urgency um, that that, feel, that feels important. And, I mean, what's happening in the art world and sort of being cynical about just doesn't seem all that urgent. Yeah, thinking, that, uh, the, that could that could be a problem for it. <laughs> the square is ultimately sort of about tweaking political incorrectness. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that it plays quite as well in our current climate as a fantastic woman does. Right. That's what I'm thinking. That maybe unfortunately would be. Um, but Fantastic Woman is a great movie, too. So it I'm is. Having an order. Okay, the actors. Now, I was just reading, preparing for this, that the four actors in the four acting categories that, that have been, um, that are sort of in the, the front runners have all won all the, pre- the same four, excuse me, have won all the precursors, um, these same, and this has never happened um, in in history. And that, who I'm talking about is Sam Rockwell in Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress, Alison Janney, um, Gary Oldman Actor, and uh, Frances McDormand in Leading Actress. Um, so are you going for these specific four, or do you think there will be an upset? They've won all the major televised awards. There is no good reason to bet against any of them. Uh, If I had to rank them in order of how safe they are, Mm -hmm. I would say that Sam Rockwell, Gary Oldman, and Frances McDormand are very safe. And supporting actress is the only one of those categories where I think there's room for an upset because Laurie Metcalf in Lady Bird is really well-liked, as is Leslie Manville, for that matter, in Phantom Thread. So there are two strong contenders that could siphon votes from Alice and Jenny. That said, if I'm putting money on it, it's got to go to Allison. Okay, so that's where you're going. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking. It seems almost, uh, I mean, just in the Oscar, but these are the four that will be there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, and director, you were saying at the top of the show that it's an interesting year because these are director-writers, right? Yes. Christopher uh, Nolan, I'll, I'll just run through him, sorry. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele, Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Yeah, uh, I think that del Toro has the edge. He's won most of the major awards in this regard so far. He got the Golden Globe, he won the DGA, Shape of Water won the PGA. I think the thing that also gives him uh, uh, some momentum is that he is so incredibly passionate and winning when you meet him in person uh, that the voters I've talked to who've seen him at a Q&A or met him at an event, they're just besotted with him. Even, mm-hmm. Phil, even, even people I talk to who maybe aren't as big a fan of Shape of Water, they're a fan of Del Toro. Right. 
No, I think so too. I, I, it seems to be leaning in that direction. But one thing I have to ask, unless you're predicting Ladybird for our last category here, best picture, if we're looking at what you said here and what we've gone through, it seems that Ladybird is going to get out empty-handed, even though it's so such a uh, yeah, movie. yeah. That's my With the female director. Here, uh, we'll see what happens, but. Yeah, I recently wrote an article speculating as to this. I think that two of the Best Picture nominees are are fairly likely, unless something crazy happens, to go home empty-handed, and those would be The Post and Lady Bird, uh, the latter of which is obviously sort of has found more favor in award season than The Post, but it's it's running number two to number three to number four in most of the categories that it's in. Okay, so we've gotten to best picture. I don't know if you very briefly can explain what is the preferential ballot. Okay, yeah, I'll do my best. So the preferential ballot, the Academy members will rank, will not just put down one uh, winner. They will rank uh, the nominees. uh, And the way it goes is if, uh, if one of the films earns more than 50% of the vote, it immediately is the Best Picture winner. That's probably not likely to happen. Uh, many people think it just doesn't happen with the preferential vote. So what happens then is that once uh, the, the sort of next highest one reaches a certain threshold, uh, the number two votes or any other ballot that has that at number one they start to count the number two votes and then the number three votes, uh, which is all just a very wordy way of saying the preferential ballot is meant to reward a consensus vote. Right. So, so number while, two generally wins. The, the, well, num- yeah, number that's one. That's what people speculate as to. I mean, it's great to have that number one passion, but it's even better if almost everybody is putting you at number two if they're not putting you at number one. Right. Sort of. That's, that's it in a nutshell. Explain to us who aren't good at this type of thing. It seems like the number one votes are very polarizing. Either you love it or you hate it. But number two, you sort of <laughs> like sort of like it like it. But this year, with so many movies that people have been talking about and passionately love or hate, what what do you think? Oh, man. I'm probably going to go back and forth on this one until the very end. And I really do think the preferential ballot is going to come into play here because – from the voters I talked to, it really seems between it's between three billboards, Shape of Water, Get Out, and Dunkirk. And they're so close together that it's just probably going to come down to which one is showing up on the most other people's ballots, even if they don't have it at number one. That said, if I'm paying attention to statistics, then I would give it to three billboards. Uh, three billboards won the top prize at SAG. And it won the top prize at BAFTA. Uh, that indicates uh, both of those groups have a strong amount of uh, members in the Academy, whether it's the acting branch, which is the biggest branch in the Academy, or the British voters, and they're a pretty strong contingent as well. So that that signals that there is broad support for the movie, I think. Uh, there is one issue, which is Martin McDonough, the director, was not nominated in the Best Director category. However, you know, Ben Affleck won uh, fairly recently, uh, even his film won, even though Affleck himself was not nominated. Argo was stronger generally that season, but what I'm saying is that precedent has sort of been recently 
disproved. Uh, other nominees here have uh, have more of an uphill battle as far as sort of defying their statistics. Shape of Water, which has done quite well, was not nominated for the top prize at SAG. And that surprised me given that it did score individual nominations. And there's no reason for that cast not to have been nominated. It's full of really well-liked actors. And no film has won Best Picture without that top nomination at SAG since Braveheart. Mm. Uh, And it's one of those stats where if you look back last year, La La Land, shockingly, was not nominated for the top prize at SAG and then didn't win Best Picture. Ah, You know, so mm -hmm. that is a stat that might hold. Uh, Then you've got Get Out. Get Out, uh, which has, I think, a lot of momentum, which has, I think, if you're an Oscar voter who wants to vote for a movie that says something about our current moment, Get Out offers that. Uh, However, it did not get that editing nomination, as we noted. Uh, And it's a February release. It's very hard to be able to sustain that momentum. Uh, And it has not won some of the key things along the way, like PGA, like DGA, like SAG, uh, that... Uh, or even the Golden Globe, for that matter, that uh, a movie would normally need to win. Also, typically, the movie that wins Best Picture picks up more than one other Oscar. I don't think Get Out has much of a shot at winning any other Oscar except screenplay. (laughs) And then there's Dunkirk. You know, I think that in any other year, Dunkirk would probably be seen as the movie that would cruise easily to victory and would sweep a lot of these Oscars, it's surprising, perhaps, that this movie that was a huge blockbuster that critics raved about has not really taken home all that much this season. And I think that's because we are living in such a forward-thinking, of-the-moment, contemporary era that a World War II film that normally does quite well with Oscar just feels like it's part of the old Academy. Right. Uh, I mean, 10 years ago, this would have been the sweep. There wouldn't have been a question about it. There wouldn't have been a question that it would take home almost every tech award, which it doesn't seem like it's going to. But I still wouldn't count it out. There is an overdue narrative with Christopher Nolan, who directed it. Uh, He could scarcely give the Academy something that they would like better than this. Uh, So the people who've always liked him may finally sort of uh, throw all their weight behind this. Oh, you're making it even more difficult. I know. <laughs> even as I say it, I'm like, am I am I crazy? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I really don't know. Usually, usually, Christina, my Oscar ballots turn out pretty good, yeah. and there might be one or two things that I got wrong, but I I, I feel confident about most of my choices this year. <laughs> Boy. It, it could go so many different directions. We'll have to see. But right now, today, as we speak, um, I will say that I would put down three billboards. And you? I think I would do that as well. So we'll see what happens. Okay, finally, I just want to ask you about the show itself. This is the 90th um, Academy Award, so it's a pretty big deal. What do you think Jimmy Kimmel – it's also a political year with sort of Me Too. And, and uh, uh, what do you, how do you think he's going to lead the show and, and what are the directors, producers going to be doing? You know, it's a funny thing, Christina, because I think that given how <laughs> obviously – gigantic and controversial and surprising the whole uh moonlight envelope mix-up was last year 
that would be, you know, the big thing that uh, that they'd want to sort of address at the Oscars this year. But it feels like a lifetime ago because so much has happened in the industry when it comes to accusations of sexual misconduct, Me Too, Time's Up. To me, that seems more significant than rehashing the mistake of last year. And I wonder how much that will find representation, you know, especially given that the thing that kicked this all off really were the accusations against Harvey Weinstein, who was himself an award season fixture. But I mean, they have already done the envelope joke in an Oscar promo. They've done that envelope (laughs) joke. But when it comes to presenting the best picture, I think the Academy would be better advised to look forward rather than backward. Instead of riffing off of the joke of last year, I'll tell you what I would like to see up there, and that's actresses like Ashley Judd and Lupita Nyong'o and Rose McGowan, who came out against Harvey Weinstein and whose bravery is transforming the industry. Mm. Well, let's hope that would be an amazing tree. I hope they think about that and really do that. We shall see. There's a lot of surprises, and you know, uh, I'm happy about that. You know, I I always like it when I can predict the right things, but at the same time. I don't mind being surprised. But since it is the Academy that we've been watching for so long, and it is the 90th, um, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of long dance numbers, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, all five all five song nominees are going to be performed, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I don't doubt that This Is Me is going to get its own gigantic dance number but uh but a lot of sort of historical things too i'm thinking yeah yeah yeah. i I, they have a lot of they have they don't lack for things to address or places that they could go uh for the 90th ceremony so i really hope that they live up to that so much we may be sitting there for seven hours right Uh, well you know if it's a good show then i won't mind that's fine me neither kyle thank you so much again i will um It'll be interesting to see what we get right. And, and it's so interesting to talk to you. And please get well now for you have oh, a few yeah, days I'm left. Gonna to, I'm going to try to rest up before we get into the last few days of it. So hopefully I'll be in better health by the time the Oscars roll around. Good. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Kyle Buchanan of New York Magazine Vulture. And of course, don't miss the Oscars on Sunday, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. And it'd be so much fun if you guys let us know what you think. What did we get wrong here? What are your predictions? You can post them on our Instagram feed, Pop Culture Confidential, on Twitter, at Pod Pop Culture, and of course on Facebook, Pop Culture Confidential. I'd love to hear what you guys are predicting this year. And if you have a moment, take some time to rate us on iTunes or SoundCloud. That really helps others um, find the show. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, theme music by Carl Boy, produced by Rene Vikander and myself. I'm Christina Erling Biro. Thanks so much for listening. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, 
and the monsters from The Misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.